welcome to the mini break your daily podcast for the biggest storylines results and controversies from the tennis world today is tuesday may 7th a great week for those who want to focus in on the atp tour as there is only one big event at the 250 or above level catching all of our attention that of course is the masters event going on right now in madrid spain all of the top guys playing this event, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, so you know we're going to be talking about that. But we're also where there's a ton of other great tennis going on. Obviously, the round of 16 for the NCAA tournament scheduled for this weekend. We have not done a big breakdown yet, but I promise you there will be great shot podcasts coming later on this week, You know, re- recapping the first weekend events, what we can take from that, and then previewing these next couple of, uh, or these next eight matches, I guess, on the men's and women's sides, because it's going to be a fun weekend for tennis. Tennis. Joining me to talk about all of the action and, of course, end our Tuesday with our patented Twitter Tuesday segment. He is a Cracked Rackets contributor, former superstar at Dennis and Men's Tennis, and the host of Wednesday's Mini Break Podcast, James Foster McDonald. Welcome back to the Mini Break Pod. It's good to be back. It's been a while since it's been the duo of you and me, so it feels good. I feel like you're ducking. Feels overdue. I've let the power go to your head now that you host today and you think you can duck me. I think it's like the opposite. You haven't asked me in a while. I think you're like, yeah, he's fine. He doesn't want to do it. Well, I just feel like you've got your, yeah, no, you're right. It is my fault. You busted me. Well done. Um, I, I do want to ask you because I know that we're going to focus mainly on the ATP tour today, but I mentioned all of that college stuff. Uh, any preliminary thoughts on the first weekend of tennis? I was exciting stuff. I do, I mean, well, granted, this is, this is the whole point of Cracked Rackets, right? I think the thing that's most frustrating sometimes is the inability to see all the action, um, I think is like very frustrating to me. Um, and so it's like something that, yeah, obviously we're trying to work towards that and and cover it all, but that's my main thought on all of it is like, wow, there was, I don't know, there was so much action that I would love to watch all the time and see every second of it, but you just can't because that's not the way it is, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and it's so overwhelming. I completely agree with you. That's why we founded the Mini Break Podcast because we got too backloaded for GSP, so we wanted a platform where we could talk about all the goings-on because there is so much going on on a day-to-day level in tennis now. There are still a bunch of challengers this week, none in America. I know the Eau Provence one in France, that's a popular one, is going on, and I think there's about four others this week, but we're going to, you know, kind of stay away from that, focus mostly on the college and the ATP level. It is really cool, though, on your on what you said, Jamie, PlaySite as a as a streaming service, I suppose. Yeah. They have really stepped up their game. I will say, though, the, the fact that, so here's my, here's my take on this. It's like, yeah, that's nice that that exists and that PlaySite is, you know, pretty decent. You know, these facilities, like, let's give it some credit. It is pretty decent. But the fact that, like, we're excited about that base <laughs> level of coverage for these this high level of tennis is like sad to me you know it's kind of step one though i mean step two will obviously me and you in the broadcast booth you can you can take rothman or stokoyak i'll take the other and we'll kind of you know see how it goes yeah that that's step two it's all don't let them into the crack rackets plan or they'll uh you know someone else will fill our lane fair no but isn't that crazy though it's like the highest level i mean yeah granted it's collegiate sports so you know of course in america we take that a lot more serious than anyone else but at the same time it's like it's pretty crazy that it's such a high level in our sport and and that's the coverage it gets you know and, and we're excited about it because yeah it, it's better than had it as it has been in the past but it's still just tough to sort of like swallow and just be excited for that you know i i agree it was funny i think it was a couple of sundays ago th- maybe a month ago i was uh, on the bike looking at watch espn seeing if anything was up and i think i saw a random like dartmouth cornell stream 
And to me, that that's pretty cool. And it, again, it's getting better, but I agree with you. Given that it's yeah. the round of 16, I mean, why Tennis Channel wouldn't go to some match? I, I think they're going to try and have coverage of the quarterfinals and later rounds, but the good tennis has already started. You know, it, sure. if you missed out on that Oklahoma-Texas A&M ending, you missed yeah. out on some fabulous tennis. But Insane. Yeah, we will save the college tennis for GSP later in the week. The thing I want to talk to you about most today, uh, the Mutual Madrid Open, because there are some fascinating results. You ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. I think the biggest story uh, we have to take away, at least from the Crack Rackets team, given our priority of cover, not priority, we like to cover everything, but our pre- uh, my preference, I won't speak for you, uh, of covering these young next-gen ATP Americans. It feels like we've been following them on this journey now, you know, three or four sure. years, and we are really starting to see them break through uh, with the trio of Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, Riley Opelka, all winning their first-round matches today. For Fritz and Opelka, they do this coming from qualifying so that adds an additional layer of success to their runs. And the match I want to start with, uh, Taylor Fritz, who knocks out Grigor Dimitrov, 7-6-7-6. Now, this is not the Grigor Dimitrov of 2017, you know, winning the year-end championships and making quarterfinals of Australian Opens. This is a Grigor Dimitrov who is you know, very much struggling to figure out what he wants to do on the court. But for me, the biggest takeaway for Taylor Fritz, 15 aces against one double fault, a 68 first serve percentage, winning 74% of those first serve points, uh, 54% of his second serve points. He's beginning to learn to assert himself. I mean, not beginning to learn, but he's beginning to master the idea of asserting himself, you know, holding every time. And I mean, this is one performance, but it's just, it's clear the development has continued for him yeah this was really impressive especially on the serve from fritz i mean you saw what he was trying to do from the very beginning of this match and i mean the margins were razor thin here i mean seven six seven six that's by no means an easy match but like you said he he gave himself that opportunity over a you know not quite informed Dimitrov. let's let's be honest here but he was in that opportunity because of how well he served um and he and he you know he did what he had to do in that regard and you know when he got the chance he took a crack at a big forehand, and you know that's how he played the game, and that's how he got through this one. You know, you talk about how slim that margin was: eighty-six total points for Fritz, eighty-one for Dimitrov. You look at the big thing. You know, Dimitrov had success on his first serve, but it was the second serve that Fritz really could attack. Yeah. As you mentioned, he'd go big on a forehand, big on a backhand return. Taylor Fritz still is you know, far from fleet of foot, but he wasn't letting Dimitrov rope-a-dope him around the court. He was the one being the aggressor. You know, Both guys broke serve two times, not that many break points in this match. But yeah, when, when you're Taylor Fritz, when you're able to serve yourself out of situations, it's, again, this is a common characteristic now, but it, I, I, I can't remember the exact same in this match, but he just... He, throws out a first serve, you know, huge kick serve out wide when he's facing a break point. And it's just like, that's just what Taylor Fritz does. He serves himself out of situations. He hits through adverse situations. And it's nice to see him have success, you know, break that mold of Americans can't play on clay. This is one more dent in that myth. Yeah, well, and especially given, I don't know, the Americans on clay at the beginning of this season, um, this is definitely a good bouncing back, whether it's Fritz, whether it's TFO, whether it's Opelka. So good to see all around. And just the last thing on the Fritz, because again, one small sample size, I still think it would be absurd to expect him to reach, say, the second week of the French Open. 
But it's nice to see him be able, you know, every Masters win he can get, solidify himself in that top 50. You're never going to have to worry about going through qualifying for a Masters event again if you're able to do this, you know, a number of times. So just another big milestone for him, right? But And then, I guess, getting to you where we finish is, it's not realistic to expect Fritz to make that second week at the French Open, right? I don't know. I wouldn't say expectation, um, but it's definitely not out of the question, you know say he gets a good draw you know look he's proven that if he could serve well he has a chance against pretty much anybody um and so i think he's setting himself up here and you know it it all looks good for him but no i I don't think anyone goes into this expecting him to be there in the second week more definitely a possibility more likely to make the second week fritz or dimitrov oh god that's so dry (laughs) i mean yeah it's true you would think i mean i don't know i you would think Dimitrov just because of his experience and everything like that. But I mean, today Fritz came out, I mean, what is one head to head matchup? Like there was seven, six, seven, six. I don't think you base your decision off that. I mean, I agree. It's the outside of this, outside of this match context. If somebody asks you that question, I feel like you go with Dimitrov. See, I agree with you that you can't use this one match as a barometer, but do we want to do two minutes on Grigor Dimitrov and his recent form? I feel like that's a Wednesday topic. You guys have covered that before. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm always up for it. I mean, look, it, I mean, yeah, it's always not that fun to talk about a player who has just kind of, I don't know, not not been depleted, but has gone down pretty significantly. I mean, that's never fun to talk about, but hey, I'm, I'm game for it, whatever you want. Okay, Grigor Dimitrov, current singles ranking number 46. You look at his mm-hmm. year to date. He's now it's not great. He's now nine and six on the year. Second round loss, seven, six in the third to, oh, sorry, third round to Jerry in Barcelona. Round of 16 straight sets to Nadal. Round of 32 straight set loss to Jordan Thompson in Miami. Loses to Tiafa. Round of 16 Australia. Loses quarterfinals to Nishikori in Brisbane. I guess it's not as bad as I imagined, but... No, it's it, just not stellar. But he also... I mean, let's look at the end of his 2018 and kind of what he had coming into this year. You know, he lost round of 16 Paris. First round Vienna. Uh, second round Beijing. First round U.S. Open. Yeah, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, he just seems so lost on the court. He doesn't have any patterns he's turning to. He seems to be slapping all of the time, just risking moving forward, even when he doesn't hit the best approach shots. I just—he's uh, such a good athlete. So sure, I, I guess given that it's on clay, you may still trust him a little bit more than Fritz. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's just the confidence isn't there. No, the confidence isn't there, and you can see it in a lot of different places. Um, I think the biggest one for me is in the big points here. You know, you would expect the the more experienced guy, the guy who's, you know, made very deep runs into majors, you would expect him to be dictating, especially, I mean, he has huge ground strokes when he wants to. And there were some neutral balls where, man, he just didn't do much with it and let Fritz completely, you know, move him around the court and, and dictate those points. And so I think that was the most, I guess, surprising to me is you think, I mean, yeah, a lot of times Grigor can get away with it because of his athleticism and because of his defensive skill set. But at the same time, he's just not putting himself in the right situations to get through matches like this. Because this is right there. Like I said, even though this isn't a great Dimitrov right now, he was still very much in this match all the way through. Especially in the breaker. I mean, he had the lead, right? Did he have, what, too many breaks maybe in that first one? He was up 3-0, I think, and 
won two points on Fritz. I can't remember. He was up 3-0, I believe, in one of them. Yeah. So he had chances. No, I think it was 3-0, maybe 4-1. And yeah, in that yeah. first set, that was the one Fritz won 10-8. I mean, exactly. he played a terrible second set breaker. It just, I mean, not a ter- it just he missed a couple returns. And weak, there, yeah. yeah, right away. You're just, you're done when you give Fritz that many chances to serve it out. Um, I don't know. How old is Grigor now? 27? 28? I mean, he can't. He can't be that old, and so. Six twenty-seven. Grigor Dimitrov, twenty-seven years old, turns twenty-eight yeah, in about a week. Uh, it turns okay. twenty-eight on the sixteenth. So, yeah, it's. Oh, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, we already did one Grigor hypothetical. We spent enough time on him. I guess I'd just say, you know, his window. Uh oh, it seems to have closed on him. Like the window of his career? No, the window of him winning slams. Oh. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll p- see. Put a put a pe- like twenty seven. Yeah, put an asterisk next to that one. We'll revisit it after the French Open Wimbledon swing. But let's move on to our next guy, uh, another young American. As we mentioned, there were a bunch of them who had success today, and we really could have broken down a number of matches because there were a bunch of close ones, bunch of seven six performances, a bunch of next gen players in play. But again, we're going to focus on the Americans today. Francis Tiafo in. Uh, his first round match matches up with Nicolas Bachelosvili, who if you cannot, if you haven't seen him play, the guy bashes the hell out of the ball. I yeah, mean, just can crush a forehand, crush a backhand at will. Mach five down the line, cross court doesn't matter. He wins a tight first set against Francis, seven six ten eight in the breaker, and then Francis shows an incredible sign of maturity, winning the ne- next two sets six three six four. Uh, he gets the only two breaks of the match, and in the end, uh, oh nope, that's a lie. He gets four breaks to Bachelors Vili's too um but he just he's you know the first serve for him now is just a weapon yeah it is you're absolutely right and I don't know I think this is this is such a it's just an impressive mental performance from TFO here and it's not to say that Fritz's wasn't but this one stands out to me just because man you lose a first set 10-8 like, it's very easy to just... I mean, there are so many incredible pros in the ATP Tour who don't bounce We've back. We've seen Tiafo do that. I, the Dan Evans match this year, he lost that second set incredibly sloppily, went away in the third. Yeah. No, we've seen it. And so I, I think you're right. The very first thing you said about this was a sign of maturity, and I think I think that's right. And something, too, something just about his opponent here. I mean, ranked 17 in the world, a very quiet 17. That's another topic for a different day, but that is a very quiet top 20 guy right now. Um, and... This is impressive from TFO to string this together, and I, that's really the bulk of what I have to say here. Nothing against specialist Philly. I mean, he hits the ball. That's what he does. He's going to crush it. This is Tiafo coming out and saying, hey, I'm not going to go away after a tight first set, and he wins 6-3, 6-4 in the second the second and thirds. I don't know. Talk about a guy who grips it and rips it. Bashless Philly in this match, 12 aces against 10 double faults. I mean, he gave Francis, yeah, he gave Francis a bunch of free points, and you look for Francis, 70% of his first serves go in, 77% of his first serve points he wins, 52% of the second serves, when he was able to dictate off of the Bachelorsvili second serve return, uh, he held him to winning only 43% of those points, that's when he got Bachelorsvili stretched, it didn't allow him to set his feet and really rip into the ball. The other thing I saw, and it was a comment from Matt Willis, who I think is at Matt Rack, and on Twitter, Something Tiafo did really well in the second and third sets is I yell at him about this, and I will continue to yell about to him about this because sometimes he does it uh, in poor situations. But 
he started, you know, mixing up his shot selections, hit way more slice backhands to the bachelor's Vili side, uh, made him, you know, get lower, made him play from uncomfortable positions, uncomfortable angles, and he didn't let bachelor's Vili get in a rhythm. And I think in some match, you know, when you're playing a guy like bachelor's Vili, who if you allow him any rhythm, he is going to hit you off of the court. That's where Tiafo's diverse shot selection combined with his athleticism, combined with his penchants to move forward and take time away from you, which is a total different dimension in terms of shot diversity. You know, you talk about slices and angles when you're taking time away. That's a whole nother thing. I don't need to tell you that, Jamie. I apologize. But it's just, it's another it's another tool in the Tiafo chest, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that just speaks once again to the mental aspect that he showed in this match. You know, he, he realized quickly, or at least after the first set, that, you know, he wasn't just going to be able to sit back here and hit, you know, your average rally ball over and over and over and get through this. Like, that's not the way through this match. And so you're right. He did a great job of switching that up. Um, and then he took care of business. He knew that if he could throw in enough variety, get him moving and not just in a rhythm of standing and slapping, you know, he was going to have a much better chance. And that's that's how it ended up. Yeah, it's credit to Tiafo. And look, it's this draw is loaded. There are no matches off, and he's got he's gonna have to bring it again in his next match. I believe he matches up now um, with let me look. Oh, Philip Kohlschreiber, who's been playing incredibly well in the clay. Another guy who's a shot maker, but probably a little bit more solid than Bachelors really in terms of he'll put more balls on the court, a little less firepower, but still that will be a fun match for Francis. Uh, but yeah, great performance for him. He's now you know moving up right around that seating range in the in, for the French Open. He's at number thirty. Yeah, number thirty five right now in the live rankings. So if, if he can get another win, another you know first round win, maybe at some other Masters events. I think they have another one in Rome before the French Open. Rome. Yeah, yep. who knows what can happen? Really good result for him though. A great continuation of that building off of the success he had last week in Estoril. Uh, but let's move on to our next match, the last American we want to talk about, Riley Opelka, the big man himself, seven feet in heaven, uh, takes out Pablo Carreno Busta, who has not had a great 2019, but still seven six six four. Again, if you've watched a Riley Opelka match, you know what to expect right now. A lot of big serves, a lot of big plus ones. He's going to go after his returns. He's going to try and go down the line, make you uncomfortable, end points quickly. But the biggest thing I will continue to harp on, and I know others are making this point as well, but I feel like it's something, uh, never mind, I'm not patting ourselves in the bed. The point is, I will echo this sentiment as well. His ability to move for for his height on this surface is remarkable. No, it definitely is. I mean, that's not something to bat your eye at here. I mean, especially because, yeah, we've seen big players before, but we haven't seen big players with this type of movement before. Um, and so, you know, as long as he's able to string all this together and, you know, keep it together mentally and keep himself healthy, I mean, this is a very dangerous guy. Yeah, here's the thing. Get him, you know, hit behind him. Is he going to change direction and show an incredible recovery speed? Of course not. But when he gets going, you know, that combined with his anticipation skills, I think his first three, four steps, they're really nice. You know, he doesn't cover the drop shot as well, but I just think laterally side to side, this is a player who can get in a rhythm movement-wise, and it opens up opportunities for him because his ground strokes, again, he's f***ing seven feet, and they're really f***ing good. Yeah, no, and especially, that's the thing, too, with his movement, at least over the next few years as he, you know, continues to sort of just grow into his role on the tour, he's going to become more comfortable and more comfortable, and he knows his game. You know, this is 
this is someone who doesn't exactly face the same issues as someone like a Dimitrov who's kind of struggling with what exactly to do. There are only really a couple options with your guy like Opelka. Like, you know what you have to do, right? Yeah. I, I can... Like, you're serving huge. You're going to try and step in whatever you can and just rip the ball. And you're not going to try and have long, drawn-out points. Like, the, the, the game plan here... I don't know. The playbook's got to be smaller. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the the funniest thing, uh, what well, not the funniest thing. One of sorry, with all due respect, but one of the funniest things I've ever heard while conducting a cracked interviews podcast. Shameless plug, humble brag by me. Uh, was Dude. when I interviewed Riley, and he goes, and I was asking, you know, do players get frustrated with you in practice because I hit with Max Rothman, who is literally the shittiest possible version of you, and I hate it. Like I don't want to hit with him. He's just going to try and rip winners. He's going to try and rip big serves. Like that's no fun. Like what do you? do in practice uh to to kind of adjust things like yeah like i don't want people to not hit with me so no i'm not trying to crack winners at all times that being said in terms of his match style now you see those patterns starting to emerge you see he understands when i get my ball go after it and to his credit he's having a lot of success doing that and now karina busta hasn't had the best season and you look at the match uh total points 169 to 62 obviously this was a close match but Riley saves the one break point he faces. He gets his one break of serve when you're seven feet tall and can hit 15 aces, 14 aces in a match. That'll do the job. Right. And, and that it is worth mentioning to him. I mean, Busta definitely not at his best here, still um, recovering from that injury. But I mean, hey, he's a Spaniard on the clay. That's that's not an easy out. I completely agree with you. Well, then, quick tangent, and I promise it will be a quick one before we, we get go. on to some of the other matches. No, you'll like Here this. It's a trivia question for you, Jamie. So, Westoff, give uh, me a little yeah. trivia music, please. It doesn't bode well for me. No prep. Here we go. No, no, no. This is an easy one, I promise. So, in the latest edition of the ATP rankings, these are not the live rankings, but the one that came okay. out Monday or Sunday, can okay. you name one, two, three, four, five, the top six Americans in the rankings? Singles. Oh, okay. Doubles. <laughs> I know all the doubles Americans. Okay. Uh, no, I don't. Robert Galloway, oh, okay. Nathan yeah. Lamons. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all in there. Jack Sock, Jack Sock, Jack Sock, Jack Sock. Um, okay, well it's got to be Tiafo. Jack, I'm not gonna go in order. No, 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 it's go in be... order. No, no, you do have to go in order. Oh, I have to go in order. It's not that hard. Okay. Uh, well, in order, then it's got to be Isner. Yep. How is he, by the way? Is his foot fine? Uh, I haven't seen. Unclear. He also just had a. Uh, he's gonna have another kid, I believe, a boy. Um, right. And he I just saw that. Had that. Hey, that was a great. That was a great. Um, oh, sn- I'm blanking on it. What do they call it? Twitter Tuesday gender reveal. There we go. God, Damn, it's late here. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, late okay. there. Yeah, okay. it's not late. It's later for you. Sorry. Um, okay, back. Where were we? Distracted. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Honestly, I know that was a good Twitter Tuesday preview because that was a great video. Something I was gonna mention. Isner, and then it's Tiafo, right? Tiafo. So Isner's number ten gap. Tiafo second, number thirty-seven. Oh well, and then there's the weird pack of people. Yeah, now it gets um, fun. It's like, I think it's I think it's Fritz. Fritz number Opelka. Fritz number three fifty-seven. Opelka number four fifty-eight. Well, done. I just went over this. I just went over this with um, Stokoyak. So two more. Um, and then it's 
Yes. Uh, there's, yes. There's three, no, no, nope, you were there. Stevie Mackey query. Good for you. You said, boy, you know, give me some sort of applause, please, Westoff, because that was well done. Well, because uh, we, that, that's like kind of unfair, because last week Stokowiak and I were going over the American, the top 10 Americans. So I just, but still, yeah, I'm surprised I remember. Can I say that I listened to the episode and I just wanted to test your memory? And again, you passed with flying colors. I just think the reason I bring that up, you know, Tiafo 21, Fritz 21, Opelka 21, Mackie, I think a recent 24. Stevie, not 21. I don't know how old he is. Stevie 29, Isner 34. Um, I mean, the new era is here. It's time. These guys are winning first-round matches of of majors, of masters events. It's time to take them not necessarily seriously. I mean, always take them seriously, but not necessarily think of them as Grand Slam uh, contenders for the title. But second weeks now, that's what we got to be hoping for and pushing these guys towards and supporting them to get to that point. No, I think you're right. That's fair. I mean, the results speak for themselves. And so as they continue to grow and move up in the rankings together, it's, you know, it's not only exciting for American tennis, but just the tour as a whole, especially in the next gen guys, you know, that's fun for everybody to see. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, then let's move on to some of the rest of the results from the day in Madrid. Uh, as I mentioned, we could have talked about all of these matches because there are a ton of good ones, but I'll roll through them real quick. Uh, Marin Cilic, the number nine seed, I think fights off four match points yeah, and fi- yeah, match. finally gets a win. Uh, he takes out Martin Cleason, 6-4, Cilic with a ton of points to defend coming up. I think a French Open quarterfinal. He's got the Queen's title that he won last year. And for a guy who did not have a lot of success at the beginning of 2019, it's so important for him to get these wins under his belt. Uh, any any thoughts on that match? That was an insane match. If you Did you get to watch most of it? It was crazy. Uh, so I saw some. I saw the ending. I mean, Chilich, like he didn't want to hit backhands. I didn't get it. I, I was really I, it upset was, with it. It was weird, especially toward the end. I mean, hey, look. Chilich was serving, just fighting for his life here. And Klijan was giving him so many weird looks. It was insane. At one point, I looked over, and Klijan, to return a second serve, it was insane the amount of space he was letting Chilich hit into to hit his lefty forehand. I mean... It, it was ridiculous. I mean, I've never seen a stance that close to the middle in my life on the tour. No, it was, I agree. It was bizarre. It, Did you see that? Yeah, I, I, I didn't get it. And look, with as men with bushy eyebrows, you and I can sympathize with Chilich. And I just, I it hurt. I'm, well, and the entire not... time the commentators were like, well, and everybody on the tour knows that Chilich can't close out. Matches. Yeah, I, I was know. like, wow, dude, like, he's getting roasted right shame. now. He's like, what, 10 in the world? No, he's, no, he's not 10. He's like no, 11 he's or 12. Real. Live rankings right now, he's right around, let's see, he is number... I think Tsitsipas is 10. He's number so 11. He's be like 11. Yeah, yeah, he's number 11. That's... So still... <laughs> he's just getting absolutely lambasted out there it's no, like wow okay man this guy sucks no it's brutal and it, it's hilarious i mean it's not funny but it, it's a testament to he's got to get his shit together otherwise yeah, and then he wins 7-0 in the breaker so yeah exactly I, just how i imagine how good he feels he's got luka modric yeah. i think was in his box today yeah and like, it's got to feel good yeah, get that win. But let's talk about some of the other results. Again, we could have talked about this match. Karen Kiachnov, yeah, sure. number 11 seed, knocks out Jaume Munar, 6-4, 6 another guy who desperate for wins to take out an yes, inform Munar. Uh, I mean, huge win for him. Great result. That's impressive, yeah. I mean, just like on paper in terms of rankings, you know, you might say, oh, wow, of course he's got to win this. But 
tell you what, Munar, dangerous, especially on the clay. Hatchinov not been having great success. This was very important. This is a very important win for um, Kachinov's 2019 campaign. And you know I'm a hard Kachinov stan, so happy to sure. see him get the result there. Uh, another seed in play today, number 15 seed, Gael Monfils, an easy 6-3, 6-1 win over Andreas Seppi. You get into some of the other results now. Verdasco over Elbot, 6-2, 3-6, uh, Jur over Deuce on the Deuce, Lajovic, 6-4, 6-4. Uh, the other, another fun one, Gasquet over Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, the young Spaniard who's taken everyone's attention after his result last week. Uh, here he played some incredible tennis against Richard Gasquet, who continues to have the most beautiful one-handed backhand I've ever seen. Uh, Gasquet ends up surviving 7-5-7-6. We started debating this a little bit before the pod, but Davidovich Fakina, he's young. I think he's 19, former world junior number two. I think junior Wimbledon champion, so... Yeah, obviously. Great hair, great name. That's all I have to say. Don't you think he's Rybakov's doppelganger? Yeah, you put the, you put that in our group message, didn't you? I think you did. Yeah, I threw that in. The I, similarities are there. I'll give you that. So I told him about it on tonight's Crack Interviews oh, pod. I'm going to go check that out. I think that's coming out today as well. And he he loves Subtle. it. He's like, nice. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's how I work the plug. Um, I mean, okay, I hate framing it like this because he's so young, but. What I here's how I'll say it. What have you seen about Davidovich Fokina that appeals to you the most that you think he will be able to sustain throughout his career? You know, what characteristics pop out to you? I don't know. I mean, I think the part that's at least like captivating to me is just the fire he's got. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just you know, it's it's not I mean, yeah, he has phenomenal strokes and you know he knows how to win, but it's just like point in, point out, he's not afraid to show the emotion and the passion and I, I love that. Um I didn't get to catch as much of this match as I wanted to today. Um, but what happened in that? I didn't get to see the second set breaker. What happened in that breaker? Was it anything special or just? No, I mean, you're going to bust me because I didn't get to see as much of this one as I would have liked either. Yeah. But the truth is Gasquet just a little bit better. I mean, Fokina, he just, he didn't have a way to finish points. And I guess getting back to the question, um, I saw an interesting, again, another interesting Twitter question. I think it was Matt Willis or one of the other Matt's again, who talked about, and this is a pure hot take, Phil, so I kind of like the question. Who, who's quicker, Davidovich Fokina or Alex Dimenauer? And it's like, are we, are, you know, sample size people? We've seen this Davidovich Fokina compete at the ATP 250 or above level now twice, like twice. So I know he's had, uh, I think he made a challenger final. He's had two futures titles, and he's worked his way up towards the top 100. But let's just relax a little bit. Like, I, I, I. I like a lot of the things he does. I'm not in love yet with anything but his competitive spirit, which is second to none. Yeah. Well, and I will say this. So this, I mean, I, I know I mentioned this a little bit before the pod, but it's like, I will say, I mean, I hate the whole drawing from a small sample size. You know, it's like a yeah. guy has one good match, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I will say this, the clay court season, I love watching because I think it's the biggest opportunity for people to start their breakout seasons especially for these guys who are really comfortable on the clay, they start getting the mental confidence because they can hang in there and they can play their comfortable clay court game against bigger names who aren't as comfortable on the surface. They get that mental aspect going and then boom, you come to a hard court or I guess, you know, if they do play grass court, maybe not as much, but especially the majority of the seasons played on the hard court, they've got that confidence now. They know they can hang in these matches and then it's fun to see these names roll around. Like, like Garen, for example. Like, I'm expecting a decent amount out of him. I mean, granted, he didn't come out of nowhere. He won the junior, what was it, the junior French French over Zverev? Yeah. So he didn't come out of nowhere, but breakout season for him, absolutely. See, I 
Look, I, this is going to – who am I to say this sort of thing? I just think that's a – I'm not going to say it. I, I, I don't agree. What? No, I'm not, I'm not going to frame it how I was going to say it. What I'll say instead is that I don't know if we can say the majority of the season is played on hardcore. I think the majority of North American tennis is played on hardcore, and so we're a little bit biased. That's what I was afraid to say. Who are we to say? You have a North American bias. Like I grew up in the exact same place as you, so that's what I'm saying. I didn't want to sound stupid. What I'm saying is I feel like – you know, European tennis fans are accustomed to clay court tennis. That's a lot of the surface over there, and I think... Bro, two, two of four majors, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about challenge in and out. I mean, I'm talking about big tournaments. Yeah, No, maybe I know. You're, what I'm saying is it is nice to see this clay portion of the stretch because it's also just such a different style of tennis. And getting back to Davidovich Fokina, why I'm not sold, and this is stupid, but I was texting with one of my friends who also follows tennis closely and we were kind of chatting about it. I was like, you know, what do you really love about him? He's like, oh man, the drop shot is such a weapon. I was like, dude, if you're if you're complimenting someone drop shot as the first weapon that comes to mind, I think that's a bit of a stretch. And so that's what I'm saying. I agree with you, like sample size wise. We just got to... Uh, like give it some time it's again the speed the spirit the the tenacity to track all these things down he's diving for balls it's youthful not not you know naivete um but i love it like i agree with you it's great to see okay back to the hardcore thing real quick all right i'm looking <laughs> so two of four majors okay. plus the masters year, events year end of. plus the year end plus the year end tour sure finals then you've got yeah then you've got indian wells miami then you've got the clay ones, but then you go back to Montreal, Western and Southern, Shanghai, and Rolex, Paris. So, okay, I'm still fine saying majority hard. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just saying, I, no, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Like I said, that's why I stopped myself because I don't want to sound like an idiot, but it's too late now. Anyway, continue on. <laughs> this is why we don't work together anymore. You call me out of my fair. Sh- my fair, yeah, yeah. That doesn't feel great, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, exactly. But all right, let's quickly talk about the last result. Uh, Philip Kohlschreiber knocks out Mikhail Kushkin, 6-2-7-6. And that leads us into our preview for tomorrow. Uh, so much great tennis on hand. Jamie, give me the matches you are going to be watching most closely. Ooh. Fritz Djokovic. <laughs> really? I don't think I'm going to waste this. I mean, of course I'll watch it, but that is not the one that pops out to me. No, I mean, that's not the my number one to watch, but that's the one that pops up and you're like, eh, that'd be fun to watch. Um, no, I mean, I think Ferrer Batista Agut, in terms of just watching a fun match, I would love for that one to be a grind. I mean, obviously, I'm pulling for Ferrer. How can you not at this point? I mean, you just have to be. Um, I think Schwartzman Cecinato has a lot of potential to be just a really, really good um, potential three-setter. Pella and Medvedev, I think, is going to be really interesting because, I mean, Medvedev has just been on fire, but he's playing against somebody who's just a really, really solid clay quarter. And then you know I'm always biased to watch Favrinka. So he's taking on Air Bear. See if Favrinka can get back into his old form and blast some people off the court. See, I'm so happy with the matches you mentioned because none of those were on my list. I particularly, I do like the Wild I mean, they weren't the ones I was going to say, but they're definitely piquing my interest. I love the Chechenato shout-out. I agree. I think that's going to be a battle. I think that's going to be a battle. That should be a battle. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun. And, really and let me say match. this. I'm not going to just start talking and steal your picks, but there are so many other matches I could have picked, <laughs> yeah, too. I, I mean, this is going to be a phenomenal that's day. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm happy you went that way. Can I say – so two obvious ones I think you know I'm going to be watching. Chorich versus Pui. I mean, two guys sure. physically, what they do from the baseline. I think this is what – didn't they play in the Australian Open quarterfinal? Oh, you are testing the wrong They guys, definitely Nolan. did. They definitely okay, did. I remember well, – because remember Chorich uh, – 
I, or maybe we beat Rayonich the round before, and it was like, oh, I think George physically is going to just wear him down. It's a totally yeah, they different did. It was four thing. sets. Yeah, exactly. So shout out to me. Um, wow, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask a question. I already know the answer to. It, so I'm like really smart. <laughs> My name's Alex. What's up? <laughs> It's eleven fifty one. Cut me some f-ing slack. Fair. Uh, um, okay, but real quick, the ones I'm looking at, the real dark horse pick for match of the day. Um, it's not Opelka team, which is going to be just a lot of serves in the one handed backhand. Team's going to be seventy feet behind the baseline, and that's why I think that match is going to be really fun. But my pick, Dimenauer her catch. I feel yeah, like we forgot was, about our boy yeah. Hubie. I didn't forget. That was the one I didn't mention. I, I knew you were going to mention that one. Um, <laughs> that one is going to be a ton of fun. I mean, I always love watching Damon Hour, and her catch is really, I mean, he's really coming into his own here, and he has a phenomenal ground stroke game, and so I, it's going to be a lot of fun. I would hope that Damon Hour comes out on top, just because I always love watching him win, but we'll see. Who do that's you, an early one, too, though. If, that's a really early one. You're going to have to get up early to watch. Let's say, yeah, that's, I think, a noon Rome time, or noon Madrid time, which is, what, like 6 a.m.? Yeah. I mean, I'll be up. Yeah, I'll be yeah. up, but whatever. Um. I feel like her catch, who, who has a bigger fan base if they both reach equal success, her catch or Medvedev? I feel like those are two, like, of the plain, like, if they are plain peanut bigger? butter. They're just, like, uh, Jif. One's from Russia and one's... Polish. From what, Poland? Yeah, oh, so... That's my heritage. I have to root for both. Okay. Well, good for <laughs> you, but Medvedev. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they're very similar. They're very, like, I don't know. They respond... I don't know. We'll leave that. Where's that? Where's that take going? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So we'll save that for another time. All right. With that being said, let's do our last thing. We are trying to keep this episode relatively short, meaning under an hour. Uh, So I feel like there is plenty of time to do our favorite ending segment on a Tuesday. That, of course, is our review of the best goings on on tennis Twitter. Westoff, if you could give me the tennis Twitter Tuesday sound effect, please. Jamie, I want to let you start off. What is the Twitter moment that captured you most over the past week? And we should say, with all of the college stuff, with all of the pro stuff, there's plenty of stuff, to, uh, plenty of topics to choose from. Yeah, the one that stood out to me though, and you probably saw this. I think somebody might have even been Dalton threw it in the uh, the general Slack as well. Um, but the tweet from Slam Tennis calling out A and M for the countdown clock against Wake. <laughs> That was tough, uh, and it was uh, for you guys who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Slam Tennis just said you should probably wait until the match is over before starting up the countdown clock to the next round because A and M had a countdown to the match against Wake um, before the match was over against Oklahoma. And as Gruskin said at the beginning, um, Oklahoma ended up winning that match four <laughs> three. What was it nine seven in the third set breaker yeah, on court five? Yeah, and so <laughs> that's just that's a real tough look. They've got a countdown to the next round, and whoops. Not quite. No, it's it's a. I mean, shout out to them for at least calling it out because that's kind of cool. Like I, I love that sort of stuff. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's entertaining, but that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's something. Um, but so. I, I agree. That was a good one. I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because I think tennis Twitter, one of the least heralded things about it, but despite the controversies, you can find a really a lot of really cool stats on there. One of the guys I always turn to at Luca uh, at Luca Beck, Luca Branche, who comes out with great stats. If you want polls of who's done what and when and how old they were when they did it, I've got some cool ones for you, Jamie. If you're ready to listen. Oh, I'm always ready to listen. <laughs> okay, so. 
Uh, after Davidovich won in Esteral, five players who were not yet 20 years old won their first ATP match in 2019. Now, I'm just going to list some of the numbers for you since 2010. Six people did it then, four did it in 2011, three in 2012, seven in 2013, six in 2014, 15 and 16 saw bigger numbers, 10 and 12, but in 17, we had five, 2018, we had seven. That we've had five new guys already do it in 2019 after only four months. I think, again, it speaks to this fact that we are seeing this crop of young, uh, talented players now feeling confident enough to compete on the ATP 250 level, and given that some of the top guys have enough points, aren't competing week in, week out anymore, there are openings. There are always openings in these draws, and we just continue to see the Moonars, the Hurricatches. Um, I'm trying to think of other. There, there are so many. Uh, the Berrettinis, who's not even that old, the the Lajeviches, just so or not the Lajeviches, who am I thinking of? I, the Laszlo Jurors, excuse me. So yeah, many yeah. opportunities for these players to have success, and it's it's fun to watch. No, it is fun to watch, and I know you you are definitely in the camp of you know new names, fresh blood. Let's go. <laughs> so that doesn't surprise me that it excites you, but no, it is, it is cool, and it's always fun to watch. It's always fun to watch the new guys come up. I mean, look, the old guys who we've seen, they're not going to be around forever. And so that's why this is exciting. You want to know the future of the sport is going somewhere. And, you know, based off of those numbers and just what you see, it's it's going somewhere good. Yeah, no, words. Another funky 2019 stat speaks to sort of the weirdness we've seen. Davidovich Fakina is the third player to reach at least the semifinal in the tournament. He won his first ATP main draw match. And again, that's the third player this season following Braden Schnur, who did it in New York, and Landero, who did it in Cordoba. I mean, that's just hilarious. You look at some of the other stats, though, and it's funny because while some things change, you know, we mentioned Christian Guerin. He's the first player to win two titles in the same season from Chile since Fernando Gonzalez in 08. Uh, that's beast. Yeah, some things don't change, and this is the stat I'll end with from Luca Beck. Uh, this is the 295th week in history that Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer have occupied the top three spots in the ATP rankings. I mean that's just f- nuts. Yeah, that's that's uh that's what we call dominant. Yeah, it's just uh I mean, yeah, I agree. It's I'm uh, I started to get into the argument with Rybakov, not the argument, but the discussion of who's the greatest of all time. And I think I, you just have to say Nadal, Clay, Djokovic, Hardcourt, Federer, Grass. That's the only answer I'm willing to accept nowadays. Just separated by a surface, you're not you're not allowing any sort of like overall no. best. Well, Murray's the goat, if that's what you're asking me. But yeah, yeah, yeah you know where I stand. His win. Yeah, I'm not getting into. This. I have a better claim with Bobrinka. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones. Who's the claim yeah. to the goat? Yeah, my I, claim is stronger. Yeah, the Iron Goat. Um, but all right, last thing I want to talk about with you in the spirit of NCA weekend. This, you know, my Twitter feed was just loaded with court rushing videos, and I've had this discussion before, uh, but I've never had it with you. So I am curious your opinion. And to quote you, something you felt very fondly of reminding me of before we began, you actually <laughs> you actually played college tennis, so maybe your perspective is okay. a little bit better here than mine. I was just messing. With no, you. no, no, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, but so. 
round of 32 matches, you're clinching a Sweet 16 appearance for your team in the NCAA tournament. That is a court-rushable moment, I suppose, unless you're up 4-0. Like, if you're blowing them out, like what Wake Forest did to Kentucky in singles, you're the defending champ. You don't need to rush round of 32. They did lose the dubs point, right? Yeah, but, like, you don't rush. Just just saying. Yeah, but you— But you. Oh, no, 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 but I'm saying the way they dominated in singles. It was just comprehensive. And so I guess my thinking is— Has the court rush become overblown? Because I'm hard in the camp of, yes, it has. I don't know. I think you, and definitely I am too, I think we're biased in the sense that since we are some of the few people who follow college (laughs) tennis all the time, we see it all the time. Sure. Because that's one of the few highlights that we see all the time. Like if somebody's going to take a highlight of something in college tennis, that's what it's going to be. And so I think in that regard, it's probably inflated in what we see. And so, yeah, your feeds and whoever you're talking to, that's, that's what you're seeing all the time. I mean, I think for this one, it's so situational. It's, it's hard for me to exactly nail down, a, oh, it's okay now, it's not. I think it's more of like a feeling. It's, it's more of like a feeling. It's like, is this inappropriate? Like, yeah, like you said, if you're beating someone down that badly, then no. But I mean, hey, if it's an NCAA tournament and you're going to the Sweet 16, like, I don't really have a problem with that. I just, like, I don't see a scenario unless it's a 4-3 match. Any 4-3 match in the NCAA tournament, rushable. And I know I'm making, I'm being very nitpicky here. But, like, regular season, you know, it's March the 4th, and you beat a middle-tier conference opponent, and you're rushing the court because it's, like, a 4-2 decision. Like, that's unnecessary to me. You don't need to rush the court in that one just because your teammate... Like, I, I'm sure your teammate will appreciate it, but let's value our court rushes. Let's get a little more bang for our buck. I mean, so then what are they supposed to do? Just uh, cheer and no. just stand there? let them shake hands, let them go to the bench, and then as a team you can surround him. But I don't need rushing the court pre-handshake, pre-shaking of the line judge's hand. I just think it's a little too much. It's a little rubby in your face. It's too much of that. We don't need – you don't always need to rub in your face. Now, look, like if Michigan beats Ohio State, of course you got to rush. We've lost to him 17 times in a row. Like I get that. If it's a rivalry match, sure. But, like, again, it's your random weekend. You're playing – X state in you know imagine you beat them four two at home and it's cool because someone won seven six in the third to clinch it like that's cool but that's not everyone stop what you're doing and sprint and charge him and throw rackets in the air because it's still a regular season match I don't know I mean look like if the intensity it's also so match specific too it's like if the intensity and passion is there especially from the guy playing I mean if that's what that person wants, I mean, the team, the team's going to know that, first of all. I mean, if he's getting hyped up and the bench, who is, what, half a court away, is getting all hyped up, you can't expect them to just be, like, mobbing and, you know, pumping their guy up and then just stand there after a match. You know, it's like, there, there's a lot more that goes into it than that, and I think restricting it would get to sort of a weird place. So I don't know if that's what you think the answer is, but... I mean, is that what you're trying to, like, <laughs> yes. pose? point or? penalties. If you rush the court <laughs> inappropriately, you lose the like, doubles point saying. of the next match. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, what? So, I mean, I don't know. I think so, so, much, so much of it is just, like, incredibly specific, and it's completely just a feeling. It's like, yeah, sometimes, I, I don't know. you got to give some people Yeah, but, like, act like judgment, you've been like, there. The benefit of the doubt. Well, I, I don't know. You can give some people the benefit of the doubt. Like, for the most part, you would know when it's a completely inappropriate time to do so versus not, like... Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you, clearly. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, 
it's like it's it's an awesome moment. And and the other thing too you got to think about is it's not always that same person. So while it might seem like the same over and over to you, that situation is probably really, really different every time. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, again, you, know, you played the sport, so you would know better than I what it's like to... Uh, well, I mean, well, humble myself here. It's not like I was <laughs> sick or anything. But, like, yeah, I mean, I was in some of those intense battles and stuff. And so, like, yeah, you, you have that intensity and, you know, you get hyped up after you win a match. It doesn't bother me as much. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I just want you to know that the 2019 Jamie Swear count is at two. Wow. Look at me go. I'm very proud of myself for getting you there. No, I agree. I It doesn't bother me. It's just a, it's a pet peeve more than a full bother, I suppose. But, yeah, you, you're not wrong. Uh, whatever. It's an, it's an issue. It's because I saw so many of them this weekend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like you're It's right. completely inflated you're right. in your mind yeah. because you're just like, oh, it's all I see. It's like, well <laughs> – it's a big i mean these are like these are like the biggest moments of some of these guys careers yeah you know and so it doesn't bother me no. i think it's cool all right totally fair well then we can wrap up there any final thoughts any things you're looking ahead for tomorrow i'm just gonna get up early and see what i can watch that <laughs> damon hour match is gonna be a lot of fun but i'm still holding out on the schwartzman chechenado that's gonna be that's gonna be super yeah, fun. Just, I'm, I'm pumped for it and atp don't be rude let us watch on youtube don't don't yeah, rip down on. videos come yeah on. come on <laughs> exactly well, Help brother out <laughs> exactly well if you like the you know if you've missed anything in the tennis world you need to catch up check out our website crackedrackets.com so much great content on there obviously on the podcast front we've got the mini break going every day monday through friday we've got the great shot podcast which will be very college centric through the ncaa tournament cracked interviews we've got a ton of fun guests lined up as i mentioned that alex rybakov interview will probably be coming out later today meaning tuesday uh stay on the lookout for that what the deuce they're doing so many fun things over there christian harrison crew shout out to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff who have been holding down the ship despite all of these episodes coming in and continue and will always do one of a job uh jamie i appreciate getting you i appreciate you allowing me to have you back on this podcast because it is always a pleasure to get to do one of these with you I'm not sure if that's how it works, but I'll take it. Thank you. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and maybe instead of Stokoyak, one of these days I can sub you back in. I would always appreciate it. Well, then, as a, again, as a reminder, go listen to that episode. But for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, for our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. James, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. Ah, 50 minutes under. Not too bad. Not too bad. I'll take it, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.